Hey friends, you are listening to the Grace Story Church podcast. To learn more about Grace Story and how you can get plugged into our community, visit gracestory.church. The sermon text for today is Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and it's verses 5 to 13. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Curtis. So earlier this week when I was preparing to preach this message. I was studying and I was writing and I, I came to a, a point where I was thinking about everything that happened this week in the life of Christ leading up to this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday. And I was thinking about what he did for us in his death and resurrection. And man, I, I came to a point where I was just deeply moved. And I sat there at my desk, and I just wept. And I couldn't, I couldn't focus anymore. I couldn't continue writing. I couldn't continue studying. I just wept. And, and thankfully, Callie came knocking at the door, telling me that lunch was only a few minutes away. And so I, I collected myself and took the, the break that I needed. And I went to the kitchen. I started washing my hands at the sink. And she was fixing a sandwich and asking me, about whether or not chickens could fly if they were wet. And, and I was like, I, I don't know. And she's like, well, because it's pouring down rain and the chickens are at the gate and they can't get back in. And it was, it was pouring down rain and we have chickens that like to fly over the gate that we built to keep them in in the morning and then spend all day in the yard and then in the evening they fly back over that, that gate into the safety of their coop. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so I looked out the door, out the window, by the sink at these chickens that were all like huddled by this gate going into the, the safety of their coop. And I saw a flash of orange in the bushes right next to them. And I knew immediately what that was. And I took off running. I didn't even have time to think. And I am out running through my yard in my socks, running through the mud toward this fox. 
And I, as I approached it, I just let out this like barbaric, just roar. And I, I'll tell you, I didn't have a weapon in my hand. I didn't have a plan for what I was going to do when I laid hold of that fox. I confess, I, have, I had no idea what was going to happen. But I knew what wasn't going to happen. That fox wasn't going to get my chickens. And for the rest of that evening, I, I just, I couldn't help but think of myself as one of those birds. And I just kind of cornered up against this gate, unable to, to save myself, and, and just staring certain doom in the face and having to just allow myself to trust another to to step in and fight on my behalf. And so tonight, I want to use this passage in Romans to, to share that story with you. That is the story of the gospel. And I want to do it as, as clearly and as plainly and as simply as, as I know to tell the gospel because I want to persuade you to have no other hope of salvation but through Christ. And so with that, I invite you to, to look with me at the beginning of these passages. We're in Romans 10. We're going to start in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. So Moses right here, he's, he's describing that the law, that this righteousness based on the law is it's clear. He doesn't mince words about it. He's not mysterious about it. He's not obscuring it. There's no like beating around the bush. He says what this means is very clear. If you wish to be saved by the law, you must do its commands. And if you do, you will live. It's very clear. You can't just learn them. You can't just commit them to memory. You can't just talk about them. You actually have to do them. And there's no deviating from that perfect adherence to the law if you hope to be saved by it. Nowhere in this book, and I've looked, guys, does it, does it say anything? There's no talking here about us just doing our best and God being satisfied with our imperfect obedience. His holiness demands our perfect and entire obedience to the law if we are to have life by it. And this means that if the law is broken, just one iota of the law is broken, it is all over for you. One single fault takes away the possibility of your ever being justified by the law. And guys, here's the truth of it. This word from Moses, what it is meant to say is that we cannot possibly have life by following the law. You know, and why? We can't keep the law because we've already broken it. If we, if we had had a hope in keeping the law, it's over. Because break a single commandment and that's it. No do-overs. You get one chance and it's over. But let's pretend for a moment that somehow came into this world without sin and we, we made it up until this evening. No sin. None. I want you to try to imagine what you would feel. What kind of thoughts you would have about yourself. 
And I can tell you how I would feel. I would be terrified. I would be terrified. Because think about it. What hope do you have of going the rest of your life without sin? I don't know that I can make it to the end of this sentence without sin. Yet alone, my deathbed without sin. And so it it steals all of our joy and peace in life trying to keep the law because looming over us would be this ominous cloud of fear that in some unguarded moment we would sin and lose everything. So guys, if we, if we ever had a dream of living a perfect sinless life and being justified by our works and, and, and our adherence to the law, that dream has already become our nightmare. Because we went astray in the womb, right? We came into this world liars, and we have rebelled against our parents, and we have disobeyed in our youth, and we're not even going to talk about our teen years and our our young adult years and and the drive to church today. We're not going to talk about that. We're doomed. All of humanity, guys, is riddled with sin. And yet, there is a great multitude of people crawling the whole face of this earth who labor to earn their salvation through what they do and what they don't do. Guys, this, this thought, this striving is like swimming in a sea of expectations that you can never satisfy. And hope in this heresy, it's like, a, it's like being tossed a string when you start to go below those waves. It's not enough to get you out on its own. There is no hope. Man drowns in seas like that. This heresy of, of salvation by works, it sits like, like a demon on the chest of humanity, and it just presses out all hope from our soul. And so if you feel like you must strive to earn your salvation in any way, any way, be done with it. Cast it off. It is a black despair. Moses claimed that that the righteousness of the law was made clear to them. That's why I had Kurt read you that passage from Deuteronomy. If you you were listening, you you heard similar language to what we use here. He said, it's not hidden from you. He said, the law is not hidden from you. He said, it's not up in heaven to where you have to ascend up there and and get it and and bring it back down to you. It's It's not on the other side of the ocean to where you have to set off on some grand adventure to to seize it and bring it back. He said, it's already near to you. It's in your mouth and it's on your hearts. It is close to you. And Paul, here as we're going to see in these next couple of verses, he uses this same language. He borrows that, that, that poetic language that Moses uses in Deuteronomy. And, and instead of using it in the same way, he gives voice to the gospel with it. And so he says that, that righteousness based on faith says this And whenever you hear righteousness based on faith, I want you to hear gospel. That's what righteousness based on faith is, the gospel. So look at me with verse seven or 6 here. 
Hear what the gospel says. But the righteousness based on faith, that is the gospel, says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we got the righteousness based on the law. And it's very clear. Do and live. Do not do and die. And then we have the gospel, which is trust in Christ and live. Do not trust in Christ and be condemned. And there's no mystery about it. This is plainly as you can put it. The gospel is Jesus Christ came to save sinners and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the whole of the matter, guys. But oh, oh how our souls long to earn our salvation, right? How we long to be the heroes of our own story. And so here it's written that the gospel of faith, it says, do not say in your hearts who will ascend into heaven and who will descend into the abyss. It forbids these kinds of questions. And it forbids these kinds of questions because when a human being is at last brought to a truly awakened sense of their sin and their judgment, what is the response that they have? It's, 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 it's help, right? It's, oh no, <laughs> what do I do with this? And, and if we are easily tempted to try to find a cure for our disease, and one of the first ways that we come to this in this, this very transactional world that we have been raised in and are saturated in is... We want to try to earn our salvation. We want, we want, we desire a righteousness that costs us something. That would need as much labor on our part as a climb into heaven would require. Or as much suffering, suffering on our part as, as a plunge into the abyss would give us. And for this person, heaven is works and the abyss is, is self-denial and depression. Another person seeking deliverance might cry, I, Oh no, I, I, must, I must ascend into heaven. I must discover the, the, the holy, lofty wisdoms and mysteries of the Bible and, and gather them up. I must, I must know them as though I had been to heaven and seen them for myself with my own eyes. Or, or I, must, I must dig to the depths of despair. I must go down and, and, and learn everything that I can discover about my sin and my wickedness. And, and, and maybe then I could be saved. And that ain't it either, guys. That's, that's a heresy just as the other one is. Don't say to yourself that you must know a certain amount about this book. You don't have to become a scholar. You don't need a degree. You don't have to read the book from front to back. That is not what the gospel says. The gospel says, confess yourself a sinner, trust in Jesus, and be saved. 
Maybe your doubts look different than, than this. Maybe, maybe your doubts whisper into your ear, man, if only I could just have some like, miraculous experience. Some, maybe be a part of one of these revivals that I'm hearing about and just like, have this, this heavenly experience where I just have an out-of-body moment and, and enter into heaven in some state of delirium and, and whew, the breath of God blow me over or maybe if I could like have one of those experiences, like the stories I hear where people, they like die and like flatline and in, in their dream they go to hell and they see this, this, this doom, this judgment that awaits them. And then the doctor brings them back and now they have this, this experience of, of what their judgment would look like. Maybe if I could have one of those, then maybe I would know that I am saved. That is your brand of heresy. Cast it off. The righteousness of faith doesn't lie in dreams or visions or experiences. Christ didn't tell us to follow after signs and wonders. What did he say? He said signs and wonders would follow you, right? And our salvation lies only in reliance upon the work of Jesus finished for you. Here, Paul declares, or, or rather the gospel, speaking for itself, declares, a voice cries, who shall ascend into heaven? And then the gospel replies, right? If you did ascend into heaven, what would you do there before a holy God without the anointed Savior? The voice cries, who will descend into the abyss? And again, it replies, what would you do there without a Savior next to you? What power over death do you have? So the only reason that we could possibly have to ascend into heaven would be to bring the Savior down. But he has come down. That is the good news of the gospel. He left the glories of heaven. And made himself low, being born in the likeness of man. He became a baby in a manger. And then, from that point, he stooped even lower to be falsely accused and rejected, despised by man. And then he stooped lower and lower to the point of being spit on, a crown of thorns placed on his brow. The flesh ripped from his body until broken and naked he was nailed to the cross and he was hung in agony to die in fever and thirst and then guys he stooped even lower dying and descending into hell and guys our salvation lies in this not in our descending, but in his. You don't need to climb to heaven to bring him down. He has come down, and he is near already. The second question is, who will descend into the depths? And the only possible reason would be, as it says here, to bring Christ up from the dead. 
But as we will proclaim with great joy come Easter, he is risen, he is risen indeed. We don't need to bring Christ up from the dead. Hear me, guys. That very day that he died, he descended into hell. That very day he was in paradise. And the thief... The thief was there with him as a trophy. And we are clenched in his victorious hand so tightly that nothing can ever pry us from his fist. Guys, our our hope lies wholly in ascending and descending, but not our own. Our hope is only in the ascent and the descent of the Son of God. So look to him, and salvation is yours. Your salvation rests in him, so you should rest in him. Guys, you sit at the gate, absolutely drenched in your sin, unable to fly to safety. Unable to escape the fox of your certain doom. And all you can do is hear the roar of the only one who can save you and place your hope in him. So don't attempt to to climb Sinai, to to, to reach into heaven and and, and to sew yourself up your, your own righteousness. The garment is already woven. Christ gives it to you. Put it on. Don't plumb the the depths of the abyss searching for for this this treasure of, of salvation. Christ gives it to you. Take it and be rich forever. In this life, guys, Cram as many good works as you can into this life. Just stack them up as high as you can stack them. And then don't think anything of them. Know them to be the worthless rags that they are. And and examine your sin. Just look at what a, a wretched creature you are and confess your sin and then know that you have a savior that stands at the throne interceding on your behalf and he bends to comfort those who come near to him this faith this is the kind of faith guys that that keeps you down when you may be tempted to think highly of yourself and, 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 and it brings you up when you're apt to go down, right? So confessing that, that you are nothing and that Christ is everything is this holy balancing pole. And with it in our hands, we can walk the narrowest of lines without fear of falling either direction. Our passage ends proclaiming, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If this is all your faith has strength to do, 
if all the strength that you can muster in your faith is to just cry, Jesus. That's enough. Because he is enough. So what if you can't walk on water? Can't do miracles, can't move, you can't move mountains. What of it? It's not required of you. He didn't, he didn't ask that of you. What did he ask you to do? Can your faith pray? Then call upon the Lord and be saved. It's been said that, that prayers are, are the breath of God just returning to where they came from. Hear this and be saved. No man has ever perished with the breath of God in him. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is no other way. There is no other hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you that you have sent your son to stand between us and judgment. Lord, we ask that you would give us the faith to every day confess our need for a savior. That we would be the kinds of Christians that even on our best days recognize our need or a savior that on our best days we confess our sin and see our need so that we are always glad to have him or we confess that we we are often envious of the throne we want to feel as though we have something to offer that we can somehow earn our way, even if we don't consciously think it, it's what our hearts default to, Lord. I pray that you would awaken in us a renewed sense of the gospel, that to you and only to you we would cling, that we would lean so wholly upon Christ that if he weren't enough to save us, we would be doomed. Pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Story Church podcast. For more resources and information on our church, visit gracestory.church.